Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Acts chapter 9, we saw that Saul, who became the beloved apostle Paul later on, Saul was making havoc of the church, entering into the houses of believers and dragging them off to have them put in prison. And he would come into the places of worship and he would torture them and make them renounce Jesus. Make them renounce Jesus. Try to get them to blaspheme the Lord Jesus. I mean, Saul was a mean, mean guy. Mean guy. And, uh, but, you know, he thought he was doing God's business. He thought he was serving the Lord. And, uh, and so one day, while he was out trying to persecute Christians, he had gotten some letters from the high priest. He took it to the synagogues of Damascus. I mean, that's how, that's how zealous he was. I mean, in Jerusalem, that's where the high priest is. And so that's where he got these letters where he could go. He got permission from the high priest to go all the way up to Damascus, which is in Syria, which is about a two-week journey. And, uh, and so he goes, all, he goes all the way to Jerusalem, gets this paperwork, and then he travels all the way back up to Damascus and Syria. And, I mean, he's just zealous to just shut down these Christians. He's just fired up for what he believes. And while he was traveling along the road, a light shone around him. The glory of God manifested to him. And the power of that light was so great that he fell to the ground, the Bible says. And he heard a voice. It was the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Does the Lord still speak to people today? Does his light still shine today? I'm talking about a manifestation of that light. I'm talking about his light literally manifesting just like we see it here in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. See, God is a God who manifests. He's not just a God we hear about and talk about. He's a God that shows up. I said he's a God that shows up. And we need to be in faith about that. We've got to watch about just slipping into this religious thinking where it's just about hearing a message. It's just about a teaching. It's just about words. No, no, no. It's power. God's word is not just word. It's power. God is a God who manifests himself. And so he teaches us about him so that we can by faith receive him into this world, into our world, into our lives. And so he does. He manifests. Still, there's no... There's nothing that tells us God doesn't do this anymore. If you believe the Bible, if you believe he did this... And, then you got to believe he does this. Because the book of Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. He's the same all the time. Hallelujah. So there's no telling what could happen when you come to church. There's, there's no telling what could happen. Expect manifestations of God in your life. I mean, many times people have been sitting in the chair and, um, 
hearing the word of God and faith rises up because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Their faith rises up and all of a sudden uh, any pain they had in their body just left them. Sickness just leaves their body. Problems that they've had just leaves their body. Boy, that's a good manifestation, isn't it? How many of you know healing is good? Sickness is bad. We're not confused about that. Well, sometimes God uses sickness. No, no, no. Sickness bad. Healing good. Right? Expect good. Expect God. Expect manifestations in your life. We need to be expecting these things. That's why we read the Bible. It's to see these things in our life. So here God visits this man, Saul. He says, why are you persecuting me? Then in verse 5, Paul responds, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Who are you, Lord? So he's recognizing, you know, this is, whoever this is, it's, he's Lord. This is, this is, this is God. But he's asking the question, who are you, Lord? Who are you? You know, a lot of times people could take that for granted. Uh, who God is. Who the Lord is. You know, everybody says, oh, well, I can't say everybody says this, but lots of people say, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. But then, you know, you probe a little bit more and they believe in Buddha too. They believe in Muhammad. They believe in a lot of different things. And in a lot of cases, a lot of people think that they're Lord. They think that they're Lord because they live their lives like they're the one that calls the shots. That they make all the decisions. But I got news for you. Uh, we don't make all the decisions if Jesus is our Lord. He makes a lot of the decisions. He's the one leading us and guiding us. It wasn't my choice to be here and be a minister of the gospel. That was not my decision. I didn't, you know, decide, you know what I'm going to be someday? <laughs> That's the furthest, furthest thing from this New Yorker's mind. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Dear Lord, dear Lord, furthest thing from my mind. But here I am. Yeah. Here you are. Right? And he leads us and he guides us in life. And so he is the Lord of our life. If he's the one leading your life. Jesus said many will come to him and say on that day of judgment, Christians will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, Jesus? Did we not cast out demons and work miracles in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. You who are doing your own thing. You've lived your whole life, your way. You've done your own thing. And yet, you're calling me Lord. Is he really your Lord? Is he really your Lord? If he's your Lord, he's the leader of your life. He calls the shots. And so that means we always go back to his word and find out if what we're doing is in line with what he's, what, what he's saying. We find out what he wants for us by just going to the book. Go into the, the manual, the manual that's in our, the glove compartment of our life. You know, just like that car manual, we got it right here for our life. We got the Bible giving us instruction. 
helping us to know God's will for our life. The, the Word of God reveals that general will of God for our life. And as we're walking in the general will of God for our life, then the Holy Spirit, who now lives in us, He'll give us the specific will of God for our life. He'll give us specific direction for what we're to be doing in life. But He's our Lord. He's our Lord. You know, I, I remember a song from the Beatles. How many remember the Beatles? They had a song. It was called My Sweet Lord. Anybody know, know this song? I'm going to have the praise and worship come up and sing that in a little bit. <laughs> My sweet Lord, hallelujah. My sweet Lord, hallelujah. You think, wow, the Beatles, man. They got the Lord. Right? These guys got the Lord. Of course, their lifestyle, I don't know. But they got the Lord. They got the Lord. And then halfway through the song, I don't know if most of you know, but that, those words, hallelujah, changes. And it turns into Hare Krishna, which is a Hindu god. Yeah, so you listen to the song. I didn't know that until after I got saved. After I got saved, I started seeing some of these things, you know. But, uh, you know, you just thought it was hallelujah all the way through the song. Hallelujah, my sweet Lord, Hare Krishna. And they just snuck that in there. So to them, the Lord is Hare Krishna, who's like the big Hindu god. And of course, in the Hindu religion, there's all kinds of gods, right? So I guess if you got the Hare Krishna, I'm looking at a man from India. And he's, he's agreeing with me. I'm getting it's validated right here from David. David Mogadati. Hallelujah. From India. But, right? You know, so if you got, if you got Hare Krishna, who's like the big Hindu god... Then, you, then I guess that comes with all the Hindu gods, right? So in other words, who, who's their Lord? Whoever. Whoever. So here, Saul, he thinks he's serving God. He thinks he's serving the Lord, Jehovah. But he finds out the one that he's trying to destroy is is actually Lord. And it's, it's Jesus. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now the goads, uh, that means, when you look it up, means to prick, sting. And actually what it is, is it's a spiked stick used for driving cattle. So, you know, they would, they would take these spike sticks, and I guess to keep the cattle going in the right direction, you know, they start, cattle start straying a little bit, you just give them a little stick, a little poke there with the stick. And it's like a little spike in their side, and it gets them back on track. And here, he's telling Paul, it's hard for you to kick against that, against that. Well, what's, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God wants to convict us whenever we're going the wrong direction. When whenever we're going the wrong direction, there, there's this little prick. There's this little stick. There's this little jab on the inside of you. It's not going to make you bleed. You know, it's not getting stabbed with a big, you know, with a big sword or something. It's just, uh, you get, you just get a, you get a little sting. Get a little sting on the inside. We need to be sensitive to that. Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, never took anybody by the hair 
and spun them around and said, not there, over there. That's where you go. Oh, thank you, Lord. Sometimes that would be nice, right? Then you, could just, then you could just live a fleshly life and everything else. And if you're going to get on the plane that's going in the wrong, you know, the wrong direction, or something bad's going to happen, God will just grab you, spin you around and say, no, 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 that way. It'd be nice. It'd be, it'd be nice if we all had a road to Damascus experience every time we were missing it. You know, where the light just hits you, knocks you off your high horse. I mean, you fall on your face. God straightens you out and you go, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, okay, that's the direction I'm supposed to go. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, how many of you know, a lot of us would be falling on our face like regularly. <laughs> that might not be a good thing. God, God doesn't do that every time. This is, this is the mercy of God maybe connected to how the church was praying for this man. Because this man is attacking a church trying to destroy it. And you probably have believers. I mean, he's got a reputation for it. You probably have believers everywhere just praying, fasting, calling Saul out before God, asking God to intervene on their behalf, moving this man's life. And so it moved the power and presence of God into Saul's life in a glorious, powerful, overwhelming way. It's awesome. Awesome. But have you know, God isn't always going to correct you like that. Matter of fact, you might never get corrected like that. And yet, we're not without correction. We're not without God's direction, without God trying to help us, to steer us in the right direction. He pokes us on the inside. He pokes us on the inside. And, and there's been plenty of times, you know, you go to say something, and it's like, oh, don't say that. Or after you say it, it stings. Yeah. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I should be doing that. Or you keep, you keep pressing and pressing in a certain direction, and it's like, it seems like everything's fighting you, not outwardly, but inwardly. It's like, it's like your flesh, your mind is saying, yes, yes, yes. But on the inside, it's like, no, no, no. No. How do you know what I'm talking about? We've got to learn to follow the inside. Not just listen to our heads. Not just listen to our five physical senses. Not just listen to our reasonings or other people. It's important for us to recognize this pricking, this sting, this conviction of the Holy Spirit. And i got news for you. His conviction is his command. When he convicts you, it's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. That's his command. That's him talking to you. That's him saying no or yes or do it, do it, because he'll do that too. He'll stick you and say, do it. Say it. Speak it. Well, Lord, I'm afraid to do that. And he'll, he'll prod you along to do it, to do certain things or to not do certain things. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to be sensitive to that. We don't want to go through life dull to God's direction. Why? Because God is good. And he's got good things for us. He wants to take us in a good direction. He wants to take us in the right direction. He doesn't want us to mess our lives up. He doesn't want the enemy to be able to mess our lives up, set snares for us. You know, if we follow the Holy Spirit, he'll always cause us to weave around the snares of the enemy. 
Now, I remember I was up in my brother's plane one time. We were flying, and, you know, he's got his, uh, he's got his radar. And the radar shows where all these thunderstorms are. You don't want to take a little plane into a big thunderstorm. I mean, you go right in the middle of a thunderstorm, you can just blast your plane to pieces. I mean, it could destroy, it could kill you. And so, but with this, with this navigation here in front of you, with this radar in front of you, it shows you. And, and then one time we were coming back from New York, actually, and we're flying and there's thunderstorms everywhere. But he was able to fly through those thunderstorms. We were still in the clouds. Couldn't see anything but clouds. It looked really bad. But it, that, that radar showed us where not to go. Thank God for that radar. What happens if we were just flying around up there and we didn't have that radar and we're just, we're just cruising along just to guessing. Well, I've gone this way many times. <laughs> and I've never had a problem going this course. Yeah, but, you know, things change. There's a storm here that wasn't here last time. Oh, I've done this. I've been doing this my whole life. Don't tell me. People get so stubborn and so stiff-necked and so set in their ways that this is the way they're going to do it. This is the way we've always done it. This, this is the way my grandfather did it. This is the way my grandmother did it. This is the way my parents did it. This is the way I'm doing it. Until, ah. Yeah, you just, people just keep, they keep pressing in the wrong direction. Keep pressing in the wrong direction. It's very sad. No, thank God. You know, we don't want to be thick-headed. No, we want to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to listen to Him. We want to listen to him. So we need to develop that sensitivity to him. I mean, Saul was so set in his way. He was so convinced with his head that these Christians were wrong, that Jesus was evil. This was a cult. I mean, he was so, you know, he was a religious man. He had been, he'd been teaching the law his whole life, teaching people, you know, the way to God his whole life, according to the Old Testament. And now all of a sudden this whole, this new thing comes along and he's so set in the old, he can't move into the new. A lot of people can't move into the new. They can't move into the new. You know, I think of John the Baptist, you know, he had some disciples following him and they were very committed to John. And then the day came where John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And he baptized Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sinfulness of the world. Well, a couple of his disciples heard that, and they left John. And they went after Jesus. How many people know that was a smart move? A lot of his disciples didn't do that. In fact, later on, you see in the Gospels, where the other disciples, you know, they were, they were kind of contentious towards the disciples of Jesus. And they went to John about it. And John had to tell him, he must increase and I must decrease. They weren't getting it. They were committed to John and they, they weren't going to leave John. But how people know, no matter how committed we are to people, no matter how, many, how committed we are to a church, to an organization, to anything, it should not be greater than our commitment to Jesus. We're following Jesus. That's what we're following. We're going to follow him. If God told me today, you're done. You're done pastoring. You're out of here. I'm going to take you off into the mission field. I'm going to have you do something else. I'd, I'd have to stand up here and say, hasta la vista. I have to say, I'm on my way out, guys. God's called me somewhere else. I'm not going to sit here and go, Lord, I've been doing this for 20-something years. 27 years we've been building this church. Jesus, what are you doing? Now turn it over. You're coming with me. 
I can't do that. Well, then you're not following Jesus now. See, you, you've disconnected from him and you're doing your own thing. Even though it's his thing, it's really your thing. And a lot of people confuse that. They think because they're doing a God thing that they're doing his thing. But that might necessarily be his thing. It might be a God thing, but it might not be his thing for you. It's not what he's leading you to do. Our eyes are on him. But, you know, we are creatures of habit, right? We're creatures of habit. And so, you know, we get in, we like ruts, we like routines, we like, we like things rolling a certain way. And, and I get that. God's made us that way. It helps us along in life to be able to accomplish things, to achieve goals and so forth. But we got to watch about those ruts ruling our lives. Your rut could ruin your life. If your rut rules your life, your ruts will ruin your life. So we don't want to get stuck in a rut and, uh, and not be able to shift gears and move on into the new, move on into whatever it is God's calling us to do. Thank God for the navigation. I said, thank God for Holy Spirit built-in radar. Amen. Now, folks have that just living in the world and being, being someone that God created. God created everyone with this radar. But when a person actually gets saved and makes Jesus the Lord of their life, man, they get a major uh, upgrade. Their radar gets a major upgrade. I mean, I'm, I, people that don't even know the Lord, they have, they have radar. And that radar should get them to Jesus. But once you get to Jesus, oh, you receive a whole new package. And now it's touchscreen. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes, Lord. You know, it's like an iPad. You see what I'm doing? Some of you don't look like you. Some of you look like, what's he doing with his hands? Touch screen. It's nice. You know, back in the old day, you had to really examine the GPS and everything and really, really look at it. Now it just, and it comes with beeps and everything now. It just, it beeps, it talks to you. I'm talking about the radar that's built in you now. Hallelujah. Praise God. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Thank God. Somebody say, I'm going to flow with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to follow His conviction. His conviction is my command. So in verse 6, so he, Saul, trembling and astonished. You can imagine, he's been trying to kill Jesus. I mean, he's been persecuting the disciples of Jesus. He is trembling with fear and astonished. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Great response. Just tell me and I'll do it. Praise God, what do you want me to do? A lot of times people pray, Lord, let me tell you what I want you to do. <laughs> right? Lord, let me tell you what I want you to do for me today. This is what, and that's fine. He says, ask that your joy might be full. But you got to watch about it just being one-sided. Where you're, you're doing all the asking, you're telling, excuse me, you're doing all the telling. You're telling God what you want. Make sure you mix it up a lot with, Lord, what do you want? That's how you get what you want. You get what you want when you're good at asking God, what do you want? So you say, God, what do you want? And then when you come to God and say, Lord, let me tell you what I want, then you get what you want because you do what he wants. Jesus said it this way in John 15. He said, if my words abide in you, 
then whatever you ask, it will be done for you. In other words, if you take my word to heart, and you're a doer of my word, then I will be a doer of your words. Then whatever you say will come to pass. I'll do whatever you say. And that's only fair, don't you think? Right? Because he doesn't want us to live selfish lives. Selfishness doesn't work in the kingdom of God. It all works by love. God's kingdom works by love. So he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like, well, Lord, we're here right now. I mean, you know, here you are, right here in front of me. Why don't you just go ahead and tell me? No, 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 no. Now, we've done enough here at this juncture. Now, you rise up. This is where I want you to go. You go to the city, and uh, you'll be told what you must do. In other words, you get in the place where I tell you to do, submit to me. You obey me and go do what I say, and you'll be told what you need to do from there. I remember I was looking for direction one time, and I, and I really needed this direction, I thought, from the Lord. And the Lord answered me. He said, do what you know to do, and you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. Do what you know to do. So a lot of times the Lord just, he gives us direction in, you know, sometimes it's baby steps. He just gives us, he says, go do this. Well, if you don't do that, then who knows what you're going to miss? Who knows what you're going to miss not being in that place, not being where God wants you to be? It's kind of scary. Yeah, it's called the fear of God. You, you, you don't want to miss out on God's direction. You don't want to miss out on being where you're supposed to be because it means missing out on blessing. It means making things tough on yourself. Making things hard on yourself. God wants to make life easy on you. God doesn't make life hard on people. Remember, he's the one that created the Garden of Eden. Right? He makes nice places. Humans don't do what God say in those nice places. They make messes. They make mess of nice place. God make nice place. Human make mess of nice place. You follow me? So... We want to follow him. We want to be what he wants us to be because if, if we don't follow him, then we're going to miss out on some important instructions. Yeah. So he says, go here and uh, you'll be told what to do. We see that in the Old Testament with Ezekiel the prophet. In Ezekiel chapter 3, in verse 22, it says, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, wherever he was. God's hand came upon him in that place. And he said to me, God spoke to him in that place. Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So here, he's experiencing God. The hand of the Lord is upon him. God's presence is upon his life. And God is speaking to him. And God says to him, now, go out into the plain. And I'll speak to you there. Well, Lord, I mean, why do I have to go out? Can't, you just, can't we just finish this conversation here? No, go there. Sometimes where you are, I believe, affects your ability to receive. You know, when you're alone by yourself, let's say in your basement, there are things God can speak to you there and show you there that maybe he can't say to you or reveal to you here around other people. 
And then there's some things that you'll never hear there, but you can hear it here at church around a group of people in God's house. I, I believe it has a lot to do with our ability to receive. Our ability to receive. You know, God will take us to... I remember one time, this is years ago, I was, I was just struggling. I was, you know, I wanted to spend my time, you know, with the Lord in prayer. And I mean, I'm, and it was, just, it, was, it was just like talking to the wall. I mean, there was just no sense of God's presence. There was no faith. It was just works. You know, it just turned into a works thing. It was like, this is what time I pray. This is what I do. And it's good. It's, again, it's good to have routines, right? We said with Prophet Daniel, he had a routine three times a day. At the same time every day, he got up, met with God. I mean, that was throughout his whole life. You know, he had his time with the Lord. You got to have your time with the Lord. You know, you got to set that time. But this is just one of those days. It just kind of just became the routine more than the relationship. More than meeting with God, it was just doing the routine, just getting this done, you know. So, man, the time dragged. You know, when you're in His presence and you're really having a good time with God, the time flies. It's like, I can't believe this is over. i got to go. You just don't want it to end. But then if you're in the flesh, and you just it's a works thing. You're doing it because, you know, this is what you have to do now. Man, it just dragged and dragged and dragged. And, and, and the more I stayed in there, and I really just wanted to stop, but I just felt like I couldn't. It, was, it just became a legalistic thing. It just got harder and harder and harder. And finally, just towards the end of it, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of wearing myself out. Rather than building myself up in prayer, I'm getting worn out. And the Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, would you get out of here and take Gene to the river or something? Huh? Would you get out of here? I think it was irritating God just as much as it was irritating me. <laughs> just doing this religious thing. It's just like, is he going to knock it off? He ain't talking to me. He's praying with himself. He ain't praying to me. Right? Just like a religious Pharisee, you know. Will you get out of here? And he didn't even say go to the river. He just said, river, something. you know, it's like go somewhere nice. Just go somewhere nice. Get out of here. So I got up and I left. I said, let's go. So she was available, thank God. And we went, and we actually did. We went down to the river. We got down there and we went to um, Captain, Captain D's, or whatever it was. Captain Captain's, no, it wasn't Captain. It was the other one. It was, I don't think they're there anymore. But anyway, I, I don't rec I'm not recommending the place. But <laughs> this was just an escape. Anyway, we went down there, had a little something, sat down there and started talking. And man, <laughs> the anointing fell on me. And I mean, just a few minutes there, sitting there just talking about God with her. Oh, man, his presence showed up. We got refreshed. We got revelation of stuff. I was like, this is what I was looking for in my prayer closet. This is what I was looking for. And it was right here in this nice, easy place. It's a relationship. Praise God. There's been, there's been times where you pray and you spend time with the Lord and in the Word and you just, you know, you love when His presence shows up and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't and, 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 I, and I get up and I go from prayer and you go through your whole day and at the end of the day we come down, I sit down at the dinner table. Food's in front of me, we sit down and you just feel His presence fall on you. I mean, it's like happy hour. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happy hour. You know, I look at the clock, it's like, He's here. Let's get filled, man. Let's get filled with the Spirit. And it's like, I was looking for this in my prayer closet, but it happened when I sat down to dinner. 
See, sometimes, again, we can get, we can get so rigid, so rigid uh, that we miss God. Uh, God wa- it's a relationship. He wants to flow in our life. He wants us to flow and yield to him and cooperate with him. But, but again, sometimes I think, you know, whether it's at dinner or down at the river, or what, sometimes we just got to get in the place where he wants us to be so that we become open to receive from him. You know, uh, Abraham had his son Isaac. Isaac had two twins, Jacob and Esau. And the day came where Isaac was going to bless Esau, his older. Esau had come out first, even though they were twins. So the blessing technically belonged to Esau. So he told Esau, he said, go out hunting and make me say, go catch me, you know, my favorite game, and catch me and make me savory food such as my soul loves that I might bless you. He's saying, man, go out there, make me something nice, you know, the food that I really like and that my soul might bless you. Why? Because it would open him up. It would open his soul up to allow God to flow through him and be able to bless supernaturally his son. So sometimes there's some very natural things that God uses to just open us up. And you've got to be open to it. You can't be thinking, no, God wouldn't want me to do that. That's too good. That's too fun. That's too... Listen, he might lead you on a vacation. And you're priding yourself on how you're overworking. And you're in disobedience. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and order tickets today. And <laughs> everybody's going on a vacation. I'm just saying. And some people are too much vacation. It's like, you're going on vacation again? It's like every, every three weeks. Yeah, we're planning a vacation. It's like, maybe somebody needs to just chill out here a little bit and go to work. But then there's people, you know, there's no, there's no vacation. They work, 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 work. And they become closed. God wants to open us up to hear from him. Amen? How many people think this is important? Yeah. Yes. So, you know, he says, go out into the plain. And there I shall talk with you. So I arose and went out into the plain. And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there. Praise God. God was in that place waiting for me. God was in that place waiting for me. Like the glory which I saw by the river, Chibar. And I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. Isn't that powerful? I mean, we've seen where the power of God comes on people, the Spirit of God comes on a person, and they fall under the power of God. Just overwhelmed by the power of God. But here, he fell under the power of God, and then the power of God was so strong, it set him back up. Stood him back up. I'm looking forward to seeing some of that. Set him back up on his feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself inside your house. And he just, he's giving a direction. Go here, go here, go here, and I'll speak to you in these places. So we've got to flow. Where does God want to speak to you? Where does God want you to be so that you can hear what he wants to say to you? Hallelujah. Praise God forever. And isn't it good to know that God wants to talk to you? I mean, it's just amazing to think that God even wants to take the time and talk to you and I. But he does. He does. Uh, Verse 7 of Acts 9. And the men who journeyed with him, with Paul or Saul, stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate 
nor drank. So he became blinded by that light. Now, this being blinded is not some deformity or a defect. It's not an infirmity. It's not a sickness. It's not a disease, an eye disease or something like that. God is good. Disease, sickness, blindness does not come from God. Being blind in the sense of having a defect, that doesn't come from God. God's in the eye-opening business. You know, God made your body. He wants it to work right. He wants it to work right. So this isn't some kind of defect. What it is is his eyes experience the shock of this manifested light of God. And it's not long before he's seen again. So his eyes, we could say, are in temporary shock. Temporary shock he's experiencing here. But it's interesting that when that light hit him, he became blinded to the world around him. And thus, heard from God, heard from Jesus, was able to see the Lord Jesus in this vision. And when we're in the Spirit, the more we see Him, the more we, the more we set our minds on Him and on heavenly things, the more we walk in His light, the more the things of this world grow strangely dim. Right? The things of this world get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And things that were a big deal to you, they're not a big deal to you anymore. That's the cool thing about it. Stuff that, I just can't live without this. You don't care anymore. There's stuff, there's just so much stuff. It just doesn't matter. It's just not that big of a deal anymore. It used to just drive you. But now it means nothing to you. Because of the light of his glory that's shining in your life. Because of your awareness of the heavenly realm through faith. Through faith. Not necessarily seeing physical things, but living that life of faith, causing you to be aware that God is, that He is here, He is with me. That awareness of Him causes you to not be so aware of you, your flesh, other people, other people's opinions, all these things that so manipulate and direct people throughout their whole life. This is all part of being directed by God. Not being manipulated and moved by all these carnal, natural, fleshy things around us. Man, it's just great to get lost in Him. You just get lost in Him. Then you can just flow with Him. And you're not worried about other people. You're not worried about how you look, how you sound. You're not caught up in all that. You're not just, you're not vain. You're not, you're not irritated by all the little fleshly things that come along. Man, living in the Spirit is a great place to live. And that's living by faith. Just being aware of spiritual things. That's living in the Spirit. God wants us to live there. God wants us to live there. And then uh, this ride in life will be a lot more pleasant. The more we're in the flesh, the more we feel every little bump and irritant of the flesh. Every little thing that goes wrong, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? You'll look at me, you know what I'm talking about. Every, you know, every little thing, you know, it's like the screwdriver didn't, didn't turn right away. Internet didn't come up right away. Right? My phone didn't come on right away. Nothing's fast enough. Right? You're just irritated by every little thing. Every little thing's bothering you. You're in the flesh. It's a good, it's, it's, it's all, I'm not making fun of you. It's just, you are. So you can identify that and then you can get out of that. If you, if you don't realize what's going, what's going on? 
well, it, you're in the flesh. It's real simple. You just need to, get, you need to get your eyes on him now. You need to come up in your thinking, get your eyes on spiritual things, and then the things of this world won't bother you so much. Isn't that good? So in the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have all kinds of issues because there's demons here that have issues. There's people here with demons that have issues. There's all, you know what I'm saying? The earth is under a curse. There's issues all around you. So you, you're going to experience issues. You're going to experience tribulation. You're going to experience problems in life. But be a good cheer. We can roll with it. We can roll with it. Praise God. We can flow with it. It doesn't have to be so irritating. And think about it. If the little things irritate you, how are you going to be able to contend with the big stuff? Right? When the big stuff comes. So you've got to be able to just keep your eyes on heavenly things. Praise God. The reality of God, heaven, Jesus, the angels. Glory be to God. Keep your mind on what His Word says. And you're saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God. Keep your eyes on these things. Let these things be more real to you. Life is going to be a much easier ride for you. How many people want to make their ride a little bit easier in life? Praise God. But in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 19, the Lord says, Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as he who is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? What's he talking about? He's talking about being blind to the fleshy stuff. Being blind to the persecution, the accusations, all these different things. Jesus walked through this life blind to fleshy things, but his eyes were wide open to the Father's will for his life. And he's our example to follow. But it works the other way around also. The more mindful you are of the fleshy things, the more difficult it is to see the things of God. It's so difficult. It's like... How do I believe that? How do I? I, I, I just don't understand that. I don't, how, can God, how can God expect us to do that? He can't expect that of us. I mean, that's just, man, that's just too much. Well, see, you're blinded to his grace, his ability, his strength, because you're so naturally minded, so mindful of your weaknesses, your issues, your problems. And so we don't want to be blinded to spiritual things by being so wide open to natural things. You've got to watch. There's things you could put yourself in front of and you just feed your flesh with it and next thing you know you turn around and you can hardly see anything spiritually. You can hardly see anything that the Lord's trying to show you. And that's a dangerous place to be. We don't want to ever be in a place where we can't see what the Lord's wanting to show us. You know, uh, sometimes Gene goes to bed before me. And so uh, we have our bathroom that's attached to the bedroom. And so uh, you know, she's, she's in there, lights are out. I'll go into the bathroom, close the door, turn on the light. You know, it's got all these lights, you know. It's like it just lights up in that bathroom, you know. And so, you know, I'm in there and I'm working in the light, doing my thing in the light. And then I turn off that light, open up the bedroom door to go out into that room. And man, I can't see anything. Right? My eyes have to adjust. It has to adjust. It takes a while. It's like, I can't see anything. Now, it doesn't matter how dark it is. You still can make out things. You can still, you can still figure, you know, the, okay, the bed's over here. You can still see some things. But when you come right out of that light into that darkness, you can't see anything. It just totally blinds you. Totally blinds you like that. And so we need to be blind to the fleshy things. And then they won't bother us as much. 
The more we're in the light, the brighter the light, the more the darkness is uh, not attractive to us. We can't walk around in it. So we have to walk in the Spirit. We can't walk in darkness. Can you say amen? Got to have the light. When you're in the light, you got to stay in the light. You got to stay in the light. Praise God. Verse 10. Acts. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Now who is Ananias? Now the Bible says he's a disciple, just a certain disciple. He's not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's not some kind of big wig. He's just a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord gives him a vision. He sees the Lord in a vision. Do people see visions of the Lord today? Yes. Yes. A lot of people... See, when you don't, when you don't think about these things, then you're not, you're not expecting these things to happen. You're not, you're not looking for these things. So when somebody says, I had a vision, or they saw something, they experienced something from God, or God said to me, that's like the strangest thing. I mean, when I first gave my life to the Lord, got saved, the lady that helped lead me to the Lord, her name was Elena. And we were, you know, we, we worked together in this little cafe that I had back in New York. And she, uh, she was talking about the pastor's mother. I remember this. And she was talking about the pastor's mother, and she said, yeah, the Lord spoke to her and said such and such and such and such. And I went, what? Yeah, the Lord spoke to her and said such and such and such. And I went, that's weird. Yeah, I just thought that, what are you talking about the Lord said? You know, that was not my upbringing. I didn't know the Lord speaks to people, right? So this was like, I don't even believe this. This is like weird. This is, it's the pastor's mother, so wait a second. I mean, and, she, and I said, so wait, you said the Lord speaks to her? Oh, yeah, speaks to her all the time. <laughs> well, you know, I'm picturing the audible voice, you know. I'm here, Mary, Margaret, you know, whatever. I'm picturing, that's what I'm picturing. But God, again... The prodding, right? The directing, speaking to us on the inside of us, establishing our thoughts. God speaks to us in many different ways. I love some of these dramatic ways. Ananias has a vision. He sees the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him. The Lord's talking to him. The Lord still talks to people today. But you see, I, I, was, I wasn't brought up in that, so that was the weirdest thing to me. And so, of course, I never expected that in my life. Man, I'm so glad God has opened my eyes to know that he speaks to us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say my prophets. He didn't say my apostles. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Do we have any sheep that belong to the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Then you can hear his voice. He'll speak to you. Praise God forever. And so here, an ordinary disciple, believer, He's having a vision of the Lord. Verse 11. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming. 
in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. You know, it reminds me, I remember again, I was just that first year of being saved, a child of God, you know, born again, you know, had come, and, had come to the Lord. And I remember I was on my knees one night, it was a Saturday night, and I said, Lord, I said, you know, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And I was just consecrating my life to him, just consecrating my life. And then I said to him, I said, Lord, am, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? I mean, that's a good prayer to pray. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? That was my prayer. I prayed that that night. Next day is Sunday. I go to church. The pastor is leading the worship. He played the keyboard. He was leading worship. And then when he was done, he got up and he came over to me. And he said, last night, while I was just sitting on my couch, he said, I had a vision of you. And he said, I just saw you on your knees. And you were just humble before God. And he said, I didn't know what, what to do with this. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I didn't know what to do until now. Now I know what to do with this. And he prophesied over me. And he said, he said uh, I'm pleased with you. The Lord spoke through him. He said, yes, you are in my perfect will. You're right on time. And, da, 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 and said some other things to me. I mean, just answered what I had asked the night before. And the pastor had a vision. He saw me on my knees, just like this right here. Just right, just like we're seeing here in the book of Acts. Well, how much did that encourage me? I mean, that just fired me up. Glory be to God. And sometimes, you know, God will just do that. He'll meet with you just to strengthen your faith and fire you up. Praise God. But now, of course, if I wasn't in church, I wouldn't have gotten that. See, I had to be where I was supposed to be to get what I was supposed to get from a pastor that understood how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So important to follow God. So many things he wants to say to us, to encourage us and help us in life. Verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many. No, let me back up. Uh, Verse 12. And in a vision, uh, verse 11. So the Lord said to him, to Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So Saul apparently had another vision. Or it was in that same vision that he had the first time. But in the vision, he actually saw Ananias coming in and laying hands on him. On him, You know, God, many times, if he's going to use somebody in your life, he will let you know ahead of time. He will let you know. He will connect you to that person somehow. You know, I remember one time I was driving in my car, and it just came so strong into my heart to, to, to minister at a certain church. And I was just thinking about ministering at this church. It just came into my heart. And next thing you know, the phone rang not too long after. And I answered the phone. And it was this pastor of that church. And he said, man, he said, the Lord put you on my heart uh, to ask if you'd come and minister at our camp meeting. I was like, I was just thinking about you. And I was just thinking about ministering at your church. See, it was the Lord confirming, letting me know that it was him to go ahead, take this invitation and go minister at this church. And so here, you know, who's Ananias? You're not supposed to just let anybody walk in and lay hands on you. There's, there's a lot of people out there that are into witchcraft. They're weird. They're just flat out weird. 
and you know they think they're, they're, they're they think they're the prophet to the world, you know. And they'll go to some church, you know, they'll walk in there and say, God's got a word for you, and they'll walk over and lay hands on you. You don't have to receive that. In fact, you'd be smart to say, hey, hold on. Let's go talk to the pastor first. I know him. I've been connected to him, but I don't know who you are. See, God's going God's to connect you to the people that he's going to have speak into your life or over your life. So, in other words, don't just open yourself up to anything out of left field. Just because it's spiritual or seems spiritual, that only means God. A lot of weird stuff out there. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. How do you avoid the weird stuff? Know the word. Know the Bible. The Bible will keep you on track. As, as stuff's, again, stuff's weird to people that are uninformed of spiritual things, like I was just talking about. It's weird to think God's going to talk to you because you, you haven't been taught that. But then there is real weird. <laughs> Not just you being uninformed. There is real weird. How do I know the difference? Know the Bible. Let the Spirit of God teach you these things. Amen? Amen. And listen to your heart. Listen to your spirit. Not your emotions, not your head, but your heart. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. And so, verse 10 now, verse, uh, verse 12, 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So he's scared, you know. He the Lord in a vision's telling him to go. And he's like, I don't want to do this. This guy will kill me. Pampino, God knows the whole picture. And God, if God asks us to do something, then there's just probably some things we don't know. And we just trust him. We just trust him. And so the Lord responds to him and encourages him, saying, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Praise God. Now, you know, that's like a prophecy from the Lord concerning Paul. And Ananias is going to deliver this prophecy that the Lord's given him to, to Saul, who becomes Paul. He's got this prophecy he's going to deliver to him. And, and, of course, how many people would like a prophecy where the Lord says, or you get a prophecy that says, Thus says the Lord, you are a chosen vessel of mine. That's always nice. Prophecies start out that way. You're a chosen vessel of mine. I have formed you in your mother's womb. I called you before the foundation of the world. You are so amazing. I've anointed you. You're going to do great things for me. Then you're going to turn the world upside down. It's like, yes, yes, keep prophesying. <laughs> but then this prophecy started out good. But then the Lord said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And the suffering he's talking about is not some kind of sickness or something like that. It's something the Lord was going to do. It was the persecution, the hatred that he was going to experience from people that didn't believe in the Lord Jesus. He was going to experience a lot of, he experienced a lot of suffering in life. But the Lord showed him that. You know, and we got to understand that uh, it's not all a bed of roses. 
doing the will of God, we're going to have trials, we're going to have tests, there's going to be tribulation, but praise God, we could be of good cheer. Paul the Apostle said that he is full of joy in all tribulation. Praise God. That's a good testimony to have, huh? Full of joy in all tribulation. No matter what we're going through, God is with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Praise God. This is all turning for our good and for His glory. Oh, hallelujah. This is all going to turn out right. Praise God. We keep our eyes on Him. We keep looking up. And He keeps bringing us up. Even through the tough times in life. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God forever. Why don't we stand on our feet? Let's thank the Lord this morning. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.